Letter three of Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Moser. Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania by John Dickinson. Letter three. Beloved countrymen, I rejoice to find that my two former letters to you have been generally received with so much favor by such of you whose sentiments I have had an opportunity of knowing. Could you look into my heart, you would instantly perceive an ardent affection for your persons, a zealous attachment to your interests, a lively resentment of every insult and injury offered to your honor or happiness, and an inflexible resolution to assert your rights to the utmost of my weak power to be the only motives that have engaged me to address you. I am no further concerned in anything affecting America than any one of you, and when liberty leaves it, I can quit it much more conveniently than most of you. But while divine providence that gave me existence in a land of freedom permits my head to think, my lips to speak, and my hand to move, I shall so highly and gratefully value the blessing received as to take care that my silence and inactivity shall not give my implied assent to any act degrading my brethren and myself from the birthright wherewith heaven itself hath made us free. Sorry I am to learn that there are some few persons shake their heads with solemn motion and pretend to wonder what can be the meaning of these letters. Great Britain, they say, is too powerful to contend with. She is determined to oppress us it is in vain to speak of right on one side, where there is power on the other. When we are strong enough to resist, we shall attempt it, but now we are not strong enough, and therefore we had better be quiet. It signifies nothing to convince us that our rights are invaded, when we cannot defend them, and if we should get into riots and tumults about the late act it will only draw down heavier displeasure upon us. What can such men design? What do their grave observations amount to but this, that these colonies, totally regardless of their liberties, should commit them with humble resignation to chance, time, and the tender mercies of ministers? Are these men ignorant that usurpations which might have been successfully opposed at first acquire strength by continuance and thus become irresistible? Do they condemn the conduct of these colonies concerning the Stamp Act? Or have they forgot its successful issue? Ought the colonies at that time, instead of acting as they did, to have trusted for relief? 
to the fortuitous events of futurity? If it is needless to speak of rights now, it was as needless then. If the behavior of the colonies was prudent and glorious then, and successful too, it will be equally prudent and glorious to act in the same manner now, if our rights are equally invaded, and may be as successful. Therefore, it becomes necessary to inquire whether our rights are invaded. To talk of defending them, as if they could be no otherwise defended than by arms, is as much out of the way as if a man, having a choice of several roads to reach his journey's end, should prefer the worst, for no other reason than because it is the worst. As to riots and tumults, the gentlemen who are so apprehensive of them are much mistaken if they think that grievances cannot be redressed without such assistance. I will now tell the gentlemen what is the meaning of these letters. The meaning of them is to convince the people of these colonies that they are, at this moment, exposed to the most imminent dangers, and to persuade them immediately vigorously and unanimously to exert themselves in the most firm but most peaceable manner for obtaining relief the cause of liberty is a cause of too much dignity to be sullied by turbulence and tumult it ought to be maintained in a manner suitable to her nature those who engage in it should breathe a sedate yet fervent spirit animating them to actions of prudence, justice, modesty, bravery, humanity, and magnanimity. To such a wonderful degree were the ancient Spartans, as brave and as free a people as ever existed, inspired by this happy temperature of soul, that rejecting even in their battles the use of trumpets and other instruments for exciting heat and rage, they marched up to scenes of havoc and horror, with the sound of flutes, to the tunes of which their steps kept pace, exhibiting, as Plutarch says, at once a terrible and delightful sight, and proceeding with a deliberate valor, full of hope and good assurance, as if some divinity had insensibly assisted them. I hope, my dear countrymen, that you will, in every colony, be upon your guard against those who may at any time endeavor to stir you up, under pretense of patriotism, to any measures disrespectful to our sovereign and our mother country. Hot, rash, disorderly proceedings injure the reputation of a people as to wisdom, valor, and virtue without procuring them the least benefit. I pray God that he may be pleased to inspire you and your posterity to the latest ages with that spirit, of which I have an idea, but find a difficulty to express. To express in the best manner I can, I mean a spirit that shall so guide you that it will be impossible to determine whether an American's character 
is most distinguishable for his loyalty to his sovereign his duty to his mother country his love of freedom or his affection for his native soil every government at some time or other falls into wrong measures these may proceed from mistake or passion but every such measure does not dissolve the obligations between the governors and the governed the mistake may be corrected the passion may pass over it is the duty of the governed to endeavor to rectify the mistake and appease the passion they have not at first any other right than to represent their grievances and to pray for redress unless an emergency is so pressing as to not allow time for receiving an answer to their applications which rarely happens if their applications are disregarded then that kind of opposition becomes justifiable which can be made without breaking the laws or disturbing the public peace this consists in the prevention of the oppressors reaping advantage from their oppressions and not in their punishment for experience may teach them what reason did not and harsh methods cannot be proper till milder ones have failed if at length it becomes undoubted that an inveterate resolution is formed to annihilate the liberties of the governed the english history affords frequent examples of resistance by force what particular circumstances will in any future case justify such resistance can never be ascertained till they happen perhaps it may be allowable to say generally that it never can be justifiable until the people are fully convinced that any further submission will be destructive to their happiness when the appeal is made to the sword highly probable it is that the punishment will exceed the offence and the calamities attending on war outweigh those preceding it these considerations of justice and prudence will always have great influence with good and wise men to these reflections on this subject it remains to be added and ought for ever to be remembered that resistance in the case of colonies against their mother country is extremely different from the resistance of a people against their prince a nation may change their king or race of kings and retain their ancient form of government be gainers by changing thus great britain under the illustrious house of brunswick a house that seems to flourish for the happiness of mankind has found a felicity unknown in the reigns of the stuarts but if once we are separated from our mother country what new form of government shall we accept or when shall we find another britain to supply our loss torn from the body to which we are united by religion liberty laws affections relations language and commerce 
we must bleed at every vein. In truth, the prosperity of these provinces is founded in their dependence on Great Britain, and when she returns to her old good humor and old good nature, as Lord Clarendon expresses it, I hope they will always esteem it their duty and interest, as it most certainly will be, to promote her welfare by all the means in their power. We cannot act with too much caution in our disputes. Anger produces anger, and differences that might be accommodated by kind and respectful behavior may by imprudence be changed to an incurable rage. In quarrels between countries, as well as in those between individuals, when they have risen to a certain height, the first cause of dissension is no longer remembered, the minds of the parties being wholly engaged in recollecting and resenting the mutual expressions of their dislike. When feuds have reached that fatal point, all considerations of reason and equity vanish, and a blind fury governs, or rather confounds all things. A people no longer regards their interest, but the gratification of their wrath. The sway of the Cleons and Clodiuses, the designing and detestable flatters of the prevailing passion, becomes confirmed. Wise and good men in vain oppose the storm, and may think themselves fortunate if, endeavoring to preserve their ungrateful fellow-citizens, they do not ruin themselves. Their prudence will be called baseness. Their moderation, guilt. And if their virtue does not lead them to destruction, as that of many other great and excellent persons has done, they may survive to receive from their expiring country the mournful glory of her acknowledgment that their counsels if regarded would have saved her the constitutional modes of obtaining relief are those which i would wish to see pursued on the present occasion that is by petitioning of our assemblies or where they are not permitted to meet, of the people to the powers that can afford us relief. We have an excellent prince, in whose good dispositions towards us we may confide. We have a generous, sensible, and humane nation, to whom we may apply. They may be deceived. They may, by artful men, be provoked to anger against us but I cannot yet believe they will be cruel or unjust, or that their anger will be implacable. Let us behave like dutiful children who have received unmerited blows from a beloved parent. Let us complain to our parent, but let our complaints speak at the same time the language of affliction and veneration. If, however, it shall happen by an unfortunate course of affairs, that our applications to His Majesty and the Parliament for the redress prove ineffectual, let us then take another step, 
by withholding from Great Britain all the advantages she has been used to receive from us. Then let us try if our ingenuity, industry, and frugality will not give weight to our remonstrances. Let us all be united with one spirit in one cause. Let us invent, let us work, let us save. Let us, at the same time, keep up our claims and unceasingly repeat our complaints. But above all, let us implore the protection of that infinite good and gracious being by whom kings reign and princes decree justice. Nil desperadum. Nothing is to be despaired of. A farmer. End of letter three.